Welcome back, Rocky River United Methodist Church and surrounding community for our next episode of the Rocky River UMC podcast, Conversations on the Coronavirus. We roll into session two. I'm here with Stephen Young, and uh, we're going to continue our discussion on the current uh, circumstances that we as a community and indeed we as a world are, are facing uh, sharing these experiences together and taking some time to just digest everything that we've uh, been through and, and the, uh, the anxiety of, of what's yet to come and uh, what it's, it's felt like, uh, what our experiences have been, what we can learn from everything that we've endured. So we can, uh, hopefully on the other side of this, uh, be able to apply some of uh, what we've learned from these experiences to come out stronger, to come out uh, more wise and, and uh, focused in our faith walks and uh, in our understanding of the world around us and our role within it. So uh, we're moving on once again to session two, where we're going to be focused today primarily on discussions of community. Uh, what, is it, what does it uh, mean to be community and to experience community in the midst of a pandemic? Um, how has that experience been for each of us? And uh, what have we learned uh, about ourselves and about our, our faith and about our, our church community from this? Uh, how can we better uh, respond to the realities and, and the limitations that we're faced with right now to continue to experience meaningful community? Uh, what can we learn from, from uh, Scripture and from the early church? All of these are going to be parts of uh, our conversation as we dive in today uh, to discussions on what it means uh, to be a community in the midst of these strange and uh, unusual times. The first question we're going to address is very simply this. How has COVID-19 affected our experience of community and of uh, church ministries here at Rocky River United Methodist Church? Uh, so as individuals, as a community, uh, how have we seen uh, this experience impact us? Um, both in our secular communities and circles that we run in, but also within our, our church and the ministries it typically offers. Yeah, so I just want to welcome everyone again for tuning in and really glad for everyone who's been listening. And Paul and I have enjoyed these conversations. It, it really, for me, it's helped document this historical time. And, and so that when I get old and gray, I'm able to share these stories with my grandkids and just share about how the experience was as a church and as a community. So I think uh, the answer to Paul's question, I think, um, has affected the community in a twofold way. So um, I think it's brought us together, uh, but I think it's also made us suspicious of each other. Um, so I think it's brought us together because we've gone on so many family walks it's amazing how well we know our our community now um, we probably literally walk around two miles around our house um, and what's interesting is that we see people who we would have never seen um, before and people been really friendly and and actually we've actually met our neighbors and because people are out and that sense of community this the sense of what's going on has brought out that community um, but then at the same time, as I said earlier, it kind of makes everything really suspicious. So um, just even today, I went to the store, and when I've gone to the store before, it's you're just kind of you don't you don't know who has it, who doesn't have it. And then now um, we're as we're recording this, it's um, 
later in the month of April, and and now we're requir- required to wear a mask. And when you walk into a store and someone's not wearing a mask, you kind of get really suspicious. You want to know why are they not wearing a mask? And it, it just it just makes you feel really uncomfortable. And it's hard to talk with a mask on, and you can't you can't smile. You just feel suffocated with it on, and it just makes the whole feeling feel really suspicious, odd, and kind of awkward. It, uh, my, uh, mask that I've yet to wear is awaiting me at home. In fact, I haven't seen it yet. Somebody, uh, family friend made them for us, I guess. And, and so I have to actually run to the grocery store today. So I'm, I'm stopping at home to pick up my mask and I'm not sure if it's going to have daisies on it or skulls and crossbones. Or, hopefully it's but, brown's colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah hopefully, yeah. you know, because I can't see it because it's covering my mouth, right? As long as I can't see it, make it whatever color you want. Um, but uh, in strange times, indeed. And, and as I process this, this uh, notion of community in the midst of what we're going through, uh, specifically related to the church, um, and we almost have to pause and ask ourselves, what church, right? Because, you know, you all who are listening, uh, most of you haven't set foot inside the church in, in a month or more. And um, your, your typical experience of whatever church is, is, is completely uh, shut down, eliminated, or at least, at the very least, uh, transformed into something very different. Uh, but the church, church continues. It just indeed does uh, look very different. I think how much this change has impacted you and your experience of church community obviously depends on what your experience of church community was coming in. Um, I, I believe God calls us to uh, really interweave our, our lives together and uh, do life together as, as people of faith. And so uh, there are many people in, in the Rocky River uh, U, UM church uh, community who, who have done that and they depend uh, for their feeling of joy and, and the encouragement um, that they get on a day-to-day basis and, and uh, their purpose in life to be able to interact uh, face-to-face with people here in the church building at least once a week, if not more, because they're part of small groups and committees and, and uh, their, their children are comfortable here and this is a big part of their lives too. So for those who have arranged their life in that manner, this has been nothing short of devastating, I imagine. And, and they're feeling an incredible amount of loneliness and, and uh, frustration with it. There are others who maybe have more of a casual relationship with the church and don't rely on it as much for their experience of community. And, and uh, so this hasn't been a, a tremendous uh, change for them um, on the other side of this. Uh, but, you know, we have to stop and ask ourselves, what are we to do? You know, this is the reality for now. We don't know for how much uh, longer into the future so what in the world are we supposed to do with this? So um, I'll throw out a couple of thoughts, and, and maybe Stephen has uh, something wise uh, to offer. That's a big maybe, right, Stephen? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm sure Stephen has something uh, good to offer as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, the first, first thing my mind goes to right now is if, uh, if it's a, a greater struggle and inconvenience for us to be able to connect with our brothers and sisters in Christ, um, then, you know, by all means, right now is the, the best possible time to focus on connecting with, with Christ directly. Uh, if that's something you've struggled with in the past, your relationship with God to find a, a healthy prayer and, and devotional uh, life, then 
uh, guess what? No excuses. And I'm talking to myself too. No excuses, Paul. Uh, it's time to, to get serious about your relationship with God and, and uh, truly be intentional about uh, getting to experience God's plan for a, a, a relationship of intimacy, uh, something meaningful instead of just something superficial. So that would be my first response um, to, to our dilemma. Uh, beyond that, um, I think there are opportunities here as well. Even though we can't meet face-to-face, maybe there are people um, in your, your church circles who you feel like uh, have always kind of been on the fringes and you don't know too well, or maybe they're even in a, a group that you're in and you've uh, never reached out to them with as much intentionality as you'd like. And maybe it's an opportunity to do that, to, to uh, schedule a group Zoom meeting and, and connect with new people, try and reach out and, and uh, check in on people you otherwise wouldn't talk to uh, too much. So um, that's those are the places my mind goes. Um, and just simply do do the best we can with what we have. Um, it's a big difference not being face-to-face, right? Uh, not just in worship, uh, but our Bible studies are... are small groups or committees, um, but you know, Zoom meetings just don't cut it. I, I'm sure you've been in on a, a few by now. They just don't cut it, right? There's something about being able to see somebody's body language and facial expressions and pat somebody on the back, and if you're a hugger, give somebody a hug. Uh, physical touch, physical uh, presence is important for us as a Christian community. So we're all trying to muddle our way through it right now, but don't give up because uh, we, we have tools uh, to help us. And there are opportunities in the midst of this as well. Yeah, and um, um, I guess here's my wise word, as Paul would put it. <laughs> here it comes. Um, <laughs> actually, not my words, but the words of Jesus. I think it reminds me of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and it's Jesus talking to his disciples. And, um, and he mentions, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Um, so this is this instance what's going on with the church with our world this is nothing that's going to and i I think many people believe this that the church is going to be able to stand um and the church is going to continue to thrive and grow um even when this is over and even in the midst of what's going on now i my prayer and and the prayer of everyone here at rocky river especially the staff is that we hope you still feel a part of the family that you still feel a part of the church family and and that you can feel the love of the the church family coming through, even if it's in a Zoom meeting. Um, and I and I just by the words of Jesus, you know that nothing can prevail against God's church, and He's gonna build His church in the midst of a pandemic. He's gonna build His church in the midst of any natural disaster. Um, we have to be reminded that churches have been around for thousands of years and has faced even worse pandemics than this, and it's grown and thrived and defined the church. Um, and it's strong faith for Jesus and how the church can resist any storm that comes our way. And, and I just really am encouraged um, by the words of Jesus, which brings me up to our second question. Um, because we have talked about the church in the past, and our second question is, what's principles and takeaways we can learn about the early church community? Um, the early church community in the midst of persecution what are things that we can apply today in the midst of this pandemic? So, as I said earlier, the church has faced many um, challenges. So what are, th- what are takeaways and principles we can learn from the early church that can be applied to us today in the midst of our circumstance? 
yeah, I think automatically we we assume you know church goes through a tough time or society goes through a tough time, uh, but church in particular is is assaulted, perse- persecuted, uh, faces times of struggle. Uh, sometimes those can be uh, very harmful to a church, uh, but on the other hand, sometimes facing outside opposition, persecution, um, shared kind of united experience of struggle can actually be a very healthy thing for a church, as miserable as it is, because uh, history shows, and the early church shows, uh, that uh, persecution and, and uh, shared struggles and uh, going through times of oppression and such um, binds them together and, and uh, grants them a, a greater experience of strength and community, uh, perhaps in, than anything else, any other outside uh, force or, or, or shared experience they can have. Um, is is actually ultimately a positive thing. I uh, p- tried to process this looking back at the, the early church and what it, it meant for them to be persecuted and why it ultimately uh, led to the church expanding around the world. It, it was because of that persecution uh, in many ways that the church expanded and, and began to witness to new people in new places and, and had the momentum that it had. Uh, first of all, persecution it forces you to make a firm choice about who you really are and, and where you stand uh, on things in life, uh, right? It's it's pretty easy to be part of a church in America right now in a lot of ways. You're, you're probably not going to get outward persecution from others uh, because of it. Uh, you can kind of come and go as you please. There's not a whole lot of, um, of very strict expectations placed upon you. Um, so you can, you can say you're a Christian. You can say I'm a churchgoer. Uh, but it can mean very little ultimately at the end of the day because you're not forced to take a stand for anything. You're not uh, being threatened. Your life isn't being threatened. Uh, you're not being mocked or ridiculed. Um, so in times of persecution, uh, it can actually strengthen you because you have to uh, kind of stake a claim for, for who you are and uh, declare not just with your words um, or with half-hearted actions, but with your entire life, um, exactly what it is that you're about uh, persecution keeps you focused right you keeps your, your focus on god because you, you're depending on his strength you don't have enough of your own uh, to, to combat what you're up against and so it, it pushes us back in on god even more and uh, more focus on our purpose and, and what we uh what we're called to live through and finally it, it rallies a church community around a shared uh, common enemy, right? And, and I hate to even use the word enemy. Usually the enemy in, in a situation of persecution is, is Satan, evil forces beyond uh, humanity. But when uh, you've probably all been in a, a scenario where you've had somebody you didn't get along with well, um, somebody you may have even considered your enemy, all of a sudden circumstances change and you have a, a common goal or a common purpose and somebody else who's uh, kind of out to get both of you, all of a sudden you feel a sense of camaraderie with that person. Um, hopefully a uh, church community isn't in that place in the first place where they, they don't feel bound together, but uh, even more so when you're being lumped together as one group and, and experiencing the same persecution from the same shared enemy, it, it binds you together, makes you stronger uh, than you ever thought possible. Uh, so these are some of the things that people experience in persecution and, and why it affects the church and impacts the church. I have some thoughts on, you know, how our situation right now 
relates to that, but um, let's let Stephen chime in with some of his thoughts before <laughs> I take over the rest of the way. Thanks, thanks, Paul. Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, also, I have a few verses here that I'd like to share that came to mind when let me pose this question, and one is Romans chapter 5, um, verse 5, and it says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So um, I think we have hope in the midst, and we also have hope beyond, um, but we also have love in the present. Um, so this verse reminds us um, that there is hope, that there, there's always hope in the Lord and that his love has been poured into us. And, and I pray that um, with everything going on, we have still have been conscious and aware of the love of God that's been poured into our hearts. Um, the second verse um, that comes to mind is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. And it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, we have to remember also that these letters are all written um, in a time where the church was in heavy persecution. So we have to be reminded that everything that's going on in our day today, and if we have to be reminded that we're not alone, and that when Paul was writing this, um, he's writing to people who are facing persecution. He's telling them to rejoice, still rejoice in the midst of everything going on. And then finally, Revelations, um, of course, um, John is writing to a church that's facing really heavy persecution, and he reminds, him, reminds the church of the power of Jesus Christ, and um, Revelations chapter 1 says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. So... We worship a Savior who is in complete control, who um, we look at in this image, in this picture in Revelation, is that we worship uh, a Savior who is quite powerful. And, and to know that, um, again, nothing can overcome his plans that he has for his people and his plans for the world. So what do we have in, in common with people facing persecution? Uh, the, the reality that we are under duress. Uh, we're... We're seeing our daily lives flipped upside down. We, we feel threatened, uh, regardless of the, the outside force that is posing that threat. Um, we're, we're in a situation, scenario in our lives right now where we're stepping back, having to uh, ask some questions we've never had to ask before, um, evaluating how we spend our time, how we interact with other people. Uh, same thing that, that folks facing persecution, the early church, as they face persecution, ask some of these same questions. What's really important to me? Uh, what's not? Um, in our day-to-day -day lives, you know, living the, the rat race, how rarely do we have opportunity or, or feel compelled to step back and ask some of these questions and really evaluate where we're at and what our purpose is and, and uh, have uh, prompting to refocus our, our time and energy around exactly what that might be. So uh, if, if we do have something uh, significant in common with the persecuted early church, that can strengthen us and compel us it's that right now we are being put in a, a situation um, where we feel compelled to answer those questions what is really important to us uh, as we step back and, and see so many freedoms and uh, activities in our lives uh, disappear be, be 
uh, pulled out from underneath us, we're asking ourselves, um, you know, how important really are those? Or why do, I, why do I feel the way I feel about missing this people or not missing uh, this activity? Or, you know, these are questions we don't often ask. And, and the persecuted church was uh, posing those same questions to themselves. And because of that, they sought the Lord. They sought strength from above, but they also sought strength from one another because it was a, a shared experience. We're all asking the same questions, folks. We're, we're all struggling with the, the same realities. And we're all in this arena right now where we can reassess what our lives are really all about and what we want things to look like on, on the other side of this. And if maybe we need to change, our approach to life needs to change, how we raise our kids uh, needs to change. All of these are, are up for discussion right now. And those are discussions we can have together. Maybe not in person right now, but discussions we can have together as we begin to uh, process what it means to move forward uh, from this. And that's, I think, the biggest takeaway from the early church is that they were brought together, bound together by shared uh, source of strife, uh, but also were able to come together as a community and process that experience and then come up with a, a plan and understanding moving, moving forward about how to be stronger and better uh, followers of Jesus Christ on the other side. So question uh, number three that we're going to round uh, things out with today is this. And uh, we're already <clears throat> very, very much so um, trending towards uh, answering it as we wrap up question number two. And simply, what can we learn from this experience to then apply when life goes back to, and this is in quotes, normal, about what healthy community we need in our lives, we truly do want to hang on to, versus the unhealthy and unnecessary uh, experiences of community that perhaps um, could be uh, put on the chopping block. So uh, looking forward, friends, in our, our lives with all that we've learned from this experience, we'll continue to learn throughout. Um, what, what changes do we want to implement when it comes to ex, uh, experiencing community? What is, more, what is more important than we realized it, it was before? Uh, what is less important? And how do we apply those understandings on the other side of this? Yeah, and I think we've kind of, again, as Paul said, we've kind of answered this question um, a little bit throughout this whole um, podcast. But um, I think we can definitely learn that um, for certain that our our life and our way of living is much more fragile um, than we want to realize. Uh, I, I know before this pandemic, you kind of, um, me being only 31 and Paul being 37, he's much older than I am. But <laughs> much, much, much older than you. I just know my life, I haven't really had faced much interruptions. Um, and, and things have gone pretty smoothly. And this is the first time um, there's been a major global interruption in everyone's day-to-day -day lives. So I, I think it's, for me, it's opened my eyes up to just how fragile our economy is, how fragile politics can be, how fragile communities can be, how fragile relationships can even be. Um, because, because it's, we're right now we're all facing many challenges and it, things change almost literally overnight. And uh, when something like that happens, it's a shock to the system. And I know for, for myself and for my family, it was it was like, wow, we, we can't take the things that we have for granted. We can't take our friends for granted. We can't take 
meeting on Sundays for granted. We have to see like meeting on Sundays is really a privilege and meeting with our friends is a privilege and having our jobs and 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 many other things are really privileges that we have been granted um, over time and, and having this all taken away quite quickly really opens your eyes to that. Um, and then I think the second thing to answer the second part of that question is that what is unhealthy or unnecessary, I would, I would say um, it, what seems to be unnecessary is really the time that we spend on our devices. Um, I, I think we, as Paul had mentioned earlier, the Zoom conferences and you can FaceTime people, but there's just nothing that, nothing that takes the place of face-to-face interaction. I mean, there's just nothing that takes the place of um, being close to someone. Um, seeing someone on a screen is just not the same. Um, being stuck in your home is not as fun as you might have imagined. Um, and, and I think that I hope when we come out on the other side, we realize, hey, we need, we need to just meet with that person or we need to uh, have that person over. We need to have that person out for dinner. We need to think thinking on a different on a different wavelength of how can we um, have closer interaction with people and not just have an interaction that's over a distance and over a screen, um, realizing again the privilege of having family, friends, and others close to us, near us. Yeah, I, um, I love everything you're saying, and what comes to mind for me is this this concept I often come back to of, of uh, things in our life being either good or better or best, right? So um, I think while right now everything that we're going through, like you said, Stephen, is causing us to to recognize how much we take for granted, how many of these things that we think are automatic that uh, will never be in, in question, will, will always uh, be a part of our lives, all of a sudden are, are pulled out from underneath us. So that's a huge part of it. Um, I think a lot of people right now are in a position where they are coming to terms with who they are or maybe realizing for the first time in their life that they really don't know who they are because uh, some people, so much of their identity is caught up in the things that have been removed uh, right now. And so they're having a look at their lives and, and uh, their, their very character, their very being, and saying, what's left? Who am I when my job is taken away? Who am I uh, when you know, my, my friends are taken away? Who, are, who am I when um, you know, this social activity is, is removed from my life? So I think a lot of people are, are coming to terms with um, the answers to those questions and the good, better, best thing, you know, you're talking about um, uh, devices, uh, you know, say social media, games on our devices, all these things that are that are not bad things in and of themselves. They can be very valuable, um, and most of us, when we pursue them, we're doing so because we think they're good. Uh, but just because something's good doesn't necessarily mean it's worthy of our time, right? Because there are always going to be things that are better. And then when we find something that's better, guess what? There's always going to be something that, that is best. And to me, um, as you were describing, like our social interactions, it's good to have, you know, 100 friends on social media that you check in with um, once every six months. But I think what's better is to have five friends in, uh, you know, in reality, in, in uh, person-to-person space that you hang out with uh, once every month. You know, I, I think... That's better 
then then the social media approach that was good and then the best um, I think obviously as Christians is to get our faith our relationship with God in place before anything else and, and branch out from there <coughs> uh, excuse me as I was approaching this question I told Stephen I, I showed him my notes I I basically filled an entire page uh, just spewing what is uh, some sort of manifesto about what I think life should look like and getting our priorities in order. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna go through that in detail now, but what I think is beautiful about the scenario we're facing right now, um, I've used this exercise in, in groups before, maybe even in worship. Um, life, if you can picture life being like a, a glass jar, right? And when it comes to our time, our energy, our resources, uh, there are a lot of things that we want to put into our lives, a lot of things we want to pack into that glass jar, right? Um, imagine the most important things are, the, are large rocks, are represented by large rocks. The uh, lesser important things, but still important, are, are smaller rocks. And then there are things that are less important than that, that are maybe pebbles. And then there's a lot of just meaningless uh, you know, mindless mumbo jumbo that's uh, just sand, right? So our job when we're going through life is to fill up our jar in the best way possible, the way God has called us to fill it up. Well, guess what? What most of us do is we take that big old bucket of sand and we dump it into our jar first, right? We fill up our lives with what Stephen was just talking about, with uh, spending time on our devices or some of these other activities that may be good, um, may be beneficial to us somehow, uh, but they're filling. They're, by the time we look, we've filled up half of our jar with sand, and we've already made it impossible to fit some of the things that are more important. And then we go, we, we try and throw the pebbles in, we try and throw the larger rocks in, and then the biggest rocks are sitting there on the side like, oh, you know, I guess uh, once again I, I didn't have time to pray today or I didn't have time uh, to read my Bible or, boy, I haven't been to church in six weeks. And um, and we've replaced those larger rocks, the, the best things, with uh, good things, a bunch of sand. Um, but, you know, they don't all fit together. We can't have everything. So what is beautiful about this time and space we're in right now is I look at it as we're, we're able to approach this exercise from a, a clean slate. So it's almost like everything's been removed from the jar, Right. And you're coming at it from scratch. You got the, the sand and the big rocks and the small rocks and the pebbles all sitting on the counter. And you get to decide uh, with a, hopefully a, a clear conscience and without pressure from anybody else around you, how are you going to fill your jar? And my prayer is that, that each of us would take some, some good heart, uh, thought and reflection into considering what do we put back first? If that means that uh, my kid was in six activities coming into this, uh, maybe that means before I put my kid back into any of them, I make sure that my kid is and my family in general are committing to church every week or committing to uh, reading our Bibles every day, you know, and, and we start filling up our jars, large rocks first, then the small rocks. And guess what? When you put things in in the right order, uh, things fit a whole lot better. If you've, if you've seen the exercise done, the sand actually does, some of the sand actually does fit. You can get some sand in there. You can get some, some good, fun activities that aren't essential, uh, but you can get them in there once the more important things are already in place. But try and do it the other way around, it's impossible. That's why I, I, 
uh, as, as traumatic as what we're going through is right now and as awful as it is on so many levels, I want us to see it as an opportunity uh, to rewire our, ourselves and rework our lives and our priorities. And maybe for the first time in, in life, because of the freedom we have right now to make that choice uh, from scratch, put things in the right order. Put God first and uh, figure things out from there. Uh, so we've learned a lot today, or at least I've learned a lot. I don't know if you all have learned anything, but I've had fun talking. Stephen has had fun talking. He brought some wisdom like I know he would. And uh, we've covered some good ground about community, coronavirus. And uh, we're going to wrap things up and start to look towards next week. Yeah, just to remind everyone that um, continue to tune into our online services uh, as we continue to stream online for um, the month of May. So, um, again, thank you for everyone who's been tuning into those. And, and for those who have been listening to um, these podcasts, we really are thankful for you. And uh, we are excited about um, continuing these podcasts and and having different topics and um, different talks. And uh, we're looking forward to the future of it. So, again, I want to thank you for listening and um, can't wait until you tune in again. Bye.